So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. I'm Nate Larkin, here with my good friend, co-host, renowned recovery coach, David (laughs) Hampton. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing all right. How are you doing? Good. You know what? I have now become so accustomed to these virtual sessions. Yeah. That. Uh, you know, it's starting to feel almost normal, which concerns me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's been so long since you and I sat down at the same freaking table in the same room, right? I know, I know, I know. I miss a couple it. of feet from each other and had a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, I had a conversation where we weren't. I don't know as I've you know hung around you with a mask on, which I've done with some guys. By the way, have you noticed um, how? communication is uh, hampered when you're talking with somebody and both of you are wearing masks because... Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's really... I mean, two-thirds of your face is covered and and, and it isn't like 90% of our communication nonverbal. Yeah. Yeah. And a big part of that is what's going on on that lower part of the face. And when I don't have that to look at... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. I am grateful that uh, Zencaster, the platform that we use to record these podcasts, recently came out with a new innovation. We did these strictly audio for a very long time. Yeah. We're not showing the video, uh, but I can see you now. Yeah, yeah. We can yeah. actually read um, some expressions. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we can see our guests. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, hey, you and I are both Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised in, uh, you know, a particular stream of Christianity. Come to recognize that I was raised in a Western version of an Eastern religion. <laughs> That's a good right? way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And in the past few years, I've become friends with a good number of Christians whose tradition uh is an Eastern tradition. So there's a whole huge Eastern Orthodox church that I was unaware of as somebody who grew up in the Western church. Right. Right. Different approach, different understandings of the gospel of, you know, (laughs) of the mechanics of, you know, of the faith, the, and the spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wow. It, I, I don't know about you, but it, one of the things that's been so eye-opening for me in recovery is I got out of this very narrow echo chamber that I was raised in 
that mm-hmm. defined my, first of all, I was handed a faith, which I then, you know, adopted, mm-hmm. uh, and which, uh, and to which I, you know, I still adhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe that it's true and it, you know, it defines, uh, you know, my life, mm-hmm. but, but the one I was given was very narrowly defined mm-hmm. and I was warned against anything, you know, that, that, you know, in any way deviated from these very strictly defined, uh, you know, approved vocabulary, approved practices. There are things you can think that there are other things that just, the, the, the consequences are going to be disastrous if you even entertain moving in that direction. Right. Right. And for me, recovery has been, you know, I'm so grateful that recovery breathed life into my spiritual life. By the time I got into the rooms of recovery, I was still going through the motions religiously, but my spirituality was moribund, all but dead, really. Yeah. Um, however, it's recovery has also been, I mean, I was terrified in the beginning because it just seemed so dangerous. Well, it was pulling that loose thread on the, on that loose yarn on the, on the rug, right? Yeah. That yeah. we've all been warned against, you know, that the whole thing will unravel if you start uh, yeah, questioning or putting something in a different context or, or something yeah. like that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was told exactly what Jesus meant. And, you know, and if I were to go outside of that interpretation, mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, all hell was going to break loose. Right. Yeah. 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 Recovery for me was, um, it was, it was a, a way that it was almost like I had, <laughs> I had crash landed in a place I didn't recognize and I had to figure out how I was going to believe from here in that yeah. place. Because oh, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah. The old paradigms didn't work in the context that I was experiencing life now. And mm-hmm. there were things that I had discovered about myself in the process of recovery that I suddenly had to find uh, ways to interpret and accept. And yeah. there were some things about my what I would call my old faith system um, that didn't allow me to do that very well, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I ended up, um, you know, I, I've told a lot of people, and you certainly know this, my story about going up to the monks. Uh, mm-hmm. of St. Meinrad and the Benedictine monks and all my guided retreat time with them and went up once a month for six months and met with Father Bennett and all that. One of the things he told me was he said, your spiritual life is a little like a suit of clothes. And sometimes you'll, you will come to that place and you'll put on that suit of clothes and you realize it no longer fits the same. Yeah. And you have to alter it a little bit and you have to make adjustments because, yeah. um, it isn't that God is changing, but your understanding is. Yeah. And so you have to allow for that a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. and that scares yeah. people. And I get, I get why it does um, in yeah. some ways, but, um, but for me, it had to happen in order to stay in an authentic place um, within my, my belief and myself and, um, and, and Christian practices even, you know, I'm an Episcopalian now, started out a Southern Baptist, went 
uh, Pentecostal, <laughs> ended up in non-denominational, became a Presbyterian, and now I'm Episcopalian. I don't know what's after this. Maybe uh, somebody will tell me. But <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things that I appreciate. Now, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me, in recovery, the Bible became a different book. Uh, I put on a different set of uh, pair of glasses and began to see things I hadn't seen before. And one of the things I, I now find most uh, charming and entertaining about Jesus as he's presented in the gospels is he just keeps blowing up uh, everybody's understanding of who God is or how mm-hmm. God works or uh, he's not giving, you know, night, you know, nicely tied up, neat solutions. He's not just when you think, you know, something about God, or you're about to make some confident assertion, Jesus comes in and just blows it up. Yeah. 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 I love that. I always, you know, I tell people that, you know, we always pray that, you know, Jesus will show up in our churches and all this stuff. And I said, you remember that, you know, a lot of times when Jesus showed up, he turned over the furniture, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Be careful what you wish for. I'm 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 reading this new um, book by Anne Lamott called Dusk Night Dawn, and it's her newest book, Dusk Night Dawn. And she is, um, you know, she is probably one of the best at 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 putting the mirror up to the human Jesus, you know, and just articulating things in the stories that she. Uh, in some some ways, per, you know, conjecture and perceives, but uh, in many ways, you have to wonder, yeah, what was he thinking, you know? Um, and uh, <laughs> but she makes a, a lot of great points because she's also a recovering person about um, how our spiritual dimension is going to inform our recovery, you know, mm-hmm. and how that mm-hmm. is such a key piece to continually mine and and toil away in because it's a forever, you know, non-ending process. Um, but that, but that without it, we're just um, exercising some self-restraint. We're not really right. recovering and we're not evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, we have a guest today, a recovery coach, a former Catholic who's gone off the reservation uh, in order to find spirituality and uh, has a lot to say about spirituality in uh, in terms that uh, some of our listeners may not be all that familiar, but uh, I can guarantee you it's going to be stimulating and entertaining. Stay with us. We'll be back with Jeff Finland in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, we have uh, as a guest on this week's show uh, a guy who no longer lives in Nashville but spent a lot of years here, got a wonderful recovery story, and has learned some things along the way. He's got a great new book out. Uh, Jeff Finland, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, welcome. So, uh, yeah, you're joining us now from Fort Collins, Colorado. How long have you lived out there? Well, on on and off for about 15, 16 years now. We tried to, mm-hmm. you know, we moved out here in 2003. And then after my son moved back to, uh, or graduated high school, we we attempted to live back there again. And it just, it didn't take. So we came back out across the Mississippi River, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'd love for our listeners to get to know our guests on a personal level. We love to hear personal stories. We'd love to know uh, a little bit about the long and winding road that got you from where you were to where you are. So would you mind, Jeff, uh, telling us your story? Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up kind of an al- in an alcoholic home, which was a, was a, which is a big deal for a lot of us. Um, I spent 20 years mm-hmm. drinking and chasing everything um, I could, you know, career, um, relationships, booze, you know, trying basically trying to fill the, mm-hmm. the God-sized hole inside with all the outside stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I kind of hit my bottom in around 97 had a kid and, and, um, you know, it just, the substances weren't working anymore. You know, I could run out this immense, yeah, yeah. this immense fear kind of to, started to well up in me and, um, you know, the booze just couldn't push it down anymore. You know, we all, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the old mm. drug log, you know, uh, cause we all know what, what that's like. Yeah. Um, so that, that was my yeah. thing. I just, just overwhelming fear started, uh, welling up in me and um uh i didn't know what to do with it i couldn't drink it away anymore i'd run out and buy a six pack and you know pound four beers and and in five minutes i was right back where i started it just and i guess that's why i'm luck i'm lucky it didn't work anymore it just stopped working um yeah it really wasn't an option anymore you know and uh my dad yeah my dad had gotten sober um, two or three years before me. And, um, I was, I'd gone to a couple of meetings with him just to kind of prove that, that, you know, I wasn't afraid of, of, of that thing. And he popped by the house one day and, and I was doing something. He said, Oh, you're drinking. I said, no, I hadn't, I had, I was dry for like two or three months. And, um, he said, you going to any meetings? And I said, no. And he said, well, you want to go? I said, well, when? He said, now. And uh, so he took me. <laughs> and ironically, I'd been out in the Nashville, in a Nashville club the night before, you know, and this was my town. I played in a lot of bands. I knew lots of people. Um, and I was wandering around the exit in in there. And there was like 500 people in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. Not one person. And I went to this meeting the next wow. day. and there were four people in there that I knew out of 20. And I was like, Oh, this is where everybody <laughs> went. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, uh, so it was one of, yeah. it started, you know, it's funny when you open up that little window, you know, serendipity starts yeah. happening in your life. And, and there's some kind of strange force that keeps pulling you along, you know, and it kind of reveals to you exactly mm-hmm. where you need to be and how you need to be. And, um, and that was at two Oh two down there on, in uh, Elliston place. And, um, Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, and, um, wow. I, 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 I haven't stopped going back since, you know, it's, it's changed and the process of recovery has changed. Um, you know, it was all I could do to kind of stay sober in those few first few years. And, 
it didn't necessarily get better. It got worse. You know, I mean, my relationship with life Mm -hmm. got, it got worse, you know? Um, and I thought I was going crazy and, you know, all this stuff, but I just kept going back, you know? Um, I did, I did those steps and I kind of drank my way into AA and then AA'd my way into Al-Anon and then Al-Anon to my way into mm-hmm. adult children of alcoholics. Um, and, it, and that's when I realized <laughs> I, I had some PT, uh, like a really bad PTSD problem going on. And, um, and that, yeah, uh-huh. and that was something that the steps really couldn't fix because I was trapped in this bubble yeah. of self-protection um, that, you know, I couldn't pray my way out of, I couldn't step my way out of, I couldn't serve my way out of. Um, it was, and self-knowledge availed me nothing. Um, I was kind of in this trauma mm-hmm. bubble and um, I was working with a trauma patient um, last week and she described that feeling as kind of being in a straitjacket you know, and not being able to get out and, and standing on, she also said she was standing on the edge of this, felt she was standing on the edge of this cliff, you know, um, and she didn't know how to jump off. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I said, I said, and I told that to another person. She said, Oh, that's terrible. I said, no, that's the good news. That's the good news that you can recognize where you are and, and this is how I got out of that bubble, you know? So that's really when I, mm-hmm. when I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got into a serious uh, yoga program um, that this Indian guy came into my life very early in recovery. And uh, I never really, I never really strayed far from him. Um, and cause when I was, I was close to him, I would just get in this immense fear Cause there was something inside of me that knew he could blow me wide open, you know? And, um, wow. And that, was, and that was a scary thing, you know, for a trauma dude. So, um, I just kept, I'd go get close to him. Then I'd run away and I get close to him and then I'd run away. And finally I had enough and I just kind of did what he told me to do. And I took an advanced program in actually out in McMinnville. They have an ashram out there. And all my, tr- all my PTSD went away. You know, I, I was able to act wow. as a dimension of myself and just touch that dimension of myself. And it just reorganized my relationship to, to my physical self. And I don't wow. know if that makes any sense, but, um, um, you know, our traumas in the body, our addiction is in the body, our experiences in the body. Yep. Um, and I was just a, I was a reaction to everything that had happened to me that, and the reaction was something I couldn't control. Um, so this was the, this was really the culmination of why I wrote this book was because nobody's was really talking about this. A lot of people are talking about how we live with trauma, how to negotiate the world with trauma. I was able to hit a dimension of myself where it dis- all that PTSD just disappeared. And wow. uh, so I still have the same, you know, I still have the same human characteristics and I'll fall back on, on my learned responses, but I'm not in that bubble anymore of just kind of terror, mm. you know, yeah. yeah. every, you know, and I see so many people in the rooms and in recovery that 
suffer from this kind of thing. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just being sober wasn't good enough. I, there was something inside of me that really knew that I wasn't free, you know, and I, and I wanted to be free. Um, and, and this path really enabled me to do that, you know, and it's really through the grace of God kind of thing, you know, um, that I was able to, you know, this guy came in my life very serendipitous. It's like the, when the student's ready, the teacher showed up and it was just wow. like, bang, you know? So, yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I am, you know, right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, the book, the title of the book is the secret of recovery subtitle, an enlightened guide to transcending the pitfalls of trauma, addiction, codependency, and life in general. Uh, it's an engaging, uh, title. And I'm so pleased that you are explicitly making the trauma connection. I think that's one of the great advances in recovery in the last, now even in the last decade, really. Yeah, now we really, it's come into focus, this connection between trauma and addiction. How would you characterize the contrast between, um, the way you uh, approach um, a solution to trauma or a, I don't know what's the best way to put it and kind of a, the standard model right now for trauma treatment. Well, I, I don't really know much about that. You know, I, um, you know, lo- I have a lots of guys that are going into trauma therapy and, you know, they're splitting themselves into parts you know, this is the, this is the mm-hmm. hurt child. This is the angry adolescent. Um, this is, you know, this is the adult, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they're, they're journaling with all these different parts of themselves, you know, um, which just reinforces the parts. Um, what I'm really talking about is experiencing yourself as wholeness beyond the parts. There's only one of me. You know, there's not all these different parts Mm -hmm. of me. There's parts of me that respond in different ways, but there's really only one part of me. And and um, experiencing ourselves, you know, our divine selves, the 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 part of ourselves that lies beyond the physical, you know, um, Mm. is is really what the whole point of, in my opinion, spirituality and spiritual practice is about you know, experiencing that level of ourselves, um, beyond the physical form, you know? Um, and in yoga, there's, they, they split it up into five states of being, you know, one's the physical body, the the food body, one's the mind, um, one's the energy body and one's the emotional body, which is a culmination of our experience. All these parts of the physical are, um, accumulated. They're all accumulated in the physical world, but there's one part of us that's, that's beyond Mm -hmm. name and form. And that's what they call Ananda. And that's the whole point of, you know, any kind of spiritual practice is to touch that dimension of ourselves that lays beyond everything we've collected, you know, um, if, Uh and, uh, and once you stick your little pinky toe in there, um, and experience that dimension of yourself that is clouded by our conditioning, then 
then everything mm. changes. It's just like, um, and that's really the whole point of, of spiritual practice, really, you know, um, and that's what all those yeah, yeah. spiritual masters are talking about. Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, Mukti, you know, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. I mean, all these traditions are, are really trying to, you know, and what's, what are the tools we use to try to, um, access this dimension of ourselves? You know, right. there's, it's, it, there's 4,000 years of spiritual sciences that we've tend to have forgotten about in, um, in our, in the, in a world that's kind of been taken over by the clinical, you know, recovery has yeah. been taken over by the clinical world because generally it's billable, you know, yeah. and it's definable. And you, <laughs> you know, you can, you can put your, you know, it, it makes sense, you know, it's logical, but the, the spiritual world is not logical. You can't, you know, it's something you can only experience. You can't quantify it, you know? Right. So, um, well, Jeff, that's you're a, you know, yeah, you're yeah. a certified recovery coach. And when people come to you and, um, like most of us, they think that really their problem is, you know, alcohol or a substance or a behavior or whatever, um, they just want to get sober. They want to stop doing, you know, X, um, help me stop doing X. How are you able to help them kind of transcend the idea that their problem may be, um, deeply, um, uh, coming from a deep vacuous spiritual place (laughs) and and how do you help them across that bridge of accepting the idea that they may need to do something really unconventional with you right and it's you know i wasn't ready till i was ready you know Mm -hmm. um you know desire is longings tool you know and we have to exhaust the possibilities of all these different things to fill the god size hole you know um and how I had to do that was I'm an old 12 step, but guy, you know, I had to interpret that mm-hmm. in a certain, in a different way. Um, and I just try to get them to do, it's an experiential process, you know, of exhausting possibilities to achieve wholeness um, from the outside world. You know, I, first I tried, you know, drugs and alcohol, then I tried sex. Then I tried ambition, conquest, my career. Then I even tried love, you know, like, you know, emotional love, um, mm-hmm. which was still didn't fill it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to and now yoga and now spiritual practice. Um, so um, and how you do that basically is you know, get people to agree to stay sober if they're, if they've exhausted that possibility and then do that second step really, which is, you know, um, I, I grew up Catholic and, you know, in a kind of uh, really dogmatic religious thing. So I had problems with just believing in some, in something. Mm. Uh, So my first sponsors, I said, so how do I do the second step if I'm not willing to believe in this stuff? He said, well, you just do the first step perfectly. You realize you're powerless over, you know, people, places and things. You're powerless over alcohol. You can't really manage your life 100 percent. 
And then you put your shoes on and you go out the door. You know, you engage in life 100% sober. And he said, eventually, you'll see who's in charge, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. that was that was a he took me off that hook like right away. You know, I was so grateful to that um, because I couldn't even stand to look at the word God on the wall when I walked in. It was just mm-hmm. it was that bad. Um, mm-hmm. So and then the third step, you continue to turn yourself over to that process, you know, um, and turn yourself into an offering and devote yourself to that process, you know. Um, so that I just try to get guys early on. There's so much grace involved in early recovery. You know, it's like, you know, we don't know who's going to make it and who's not. It's it's just sure. a miracle that we're even sitting here, you know, oh, yeah. in, the, in the first five years of recovery. Um, yeah. So there's really only, I think, so much you can do. Um, yeah. And um, well, do you find, Jeff, that people are um, most people, it seems in my experience, are not aware that trauma is a um, a piece of their um, even of their story. I mean, they we've either minimized it or denied it or we've repressed it or, um, right. you know, and so how do you broach that subject with someone? Well, you, you start talking to, you know, the first thing, well, how did, you know, what was your, you know, how'd you grow up? What's, what's your relationship with your family like? And pretty much you, you can, you can pick out like what's going on, you know, that the drinking's just a symptom of something deeper. And um, I'll flat out tell them that. And it's, that's your job to figure out what that is. And it's your new job. You know, it's the most important job. You know, your, you know, your job down at Home Depot is not your most important job anymore. You know, mm-hmm. this is your mm-hmm. most important job because your job at Home Depot depends on you figuring this out, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So just starting them to tell them this, the story and kind of mirroring what happened with me and what happened with them and, and trying to get them to slowly figure out how they're responding to life. Cause addiction is just a, it's just a response, you know, sure. it's a, it's a response that, you know, I guess doesn't work anymore, you know? Uh, and then we try other, other avenues to, to find that, that hole within us, you know? So yeah, it's just a process, you know, you know Jeff, you, hmm. Jeff, you used a phrase a little while ago that just stuck in my mind. I thought it was a beautiful phrase, and it's so appropriate. You talked about uh, us being clouded by conditioning. Yeah. Our experience clouded by conditioning. And I I know that for me, especially when we approach the spiritual dimension of recovery, this vital connection that we somehow have to be made, has to be made. Um, you know, my spiritual experience, religious experience was conditioned, deliberately conditioned. I wasn't just nurtured. Uh, I was uh, not just taught and educated, but more or less indoctrinated in a certain way of understanding the spiritual, uh, a certain vocabulary that, uh, had to be used experience had to fit within a certain box, uh, or uh, I don't know the, uh, Anyway, it doesn't lead to openness to spiritual experience, to a God who's bigger than the one we imagine. 
right. to a spiritual experience that's larger and different from what we were told to expect. To me, one of the great gifts of recovery is to be around people who can talk about their spiritual experience, their uh, encounter with engagement, with relationship with and trust in a higher power using language that isn't familiar to me. Uh, describing, you know, parts of this journey that that I haven't seen. Is uh, was it difficult for you to make? I mean, to go to an ashram in McMinnville, uh, you know, <laughs> and do you, and do you do is there do you ever encounter in the people you work with kind of a reluctance to be too adventurous or too exploratory when it comes to the spiritual? Oh yeah, because it's a terrifying thing. You know, it's like. Basically, you're you're losing everything that you thought was yourself. You know, it's not like we're mm-hmm. not going to we're not going to get there by filling ourselves up with more information, more, you know, more, more of this, more knowledge, more. You know, it's like what we have to do is empty the vessel, you know, and create space for grace to come in Um and yeah, there's a, there's a big reluctance, you know, and it was the same way with me. I, you know, I just wanted to get sober and get on with it. You know, I want, you know, I wanted to get sober yeah. so I could continue to try to be a rock star, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, and I yeah. got, you know, it was this whole process of going, you know, getting sober and then um, f- starting to feel a little better. You know, I didn't want the three angle. I didn't want the three sides of the triangle. I just wanted the recovery side. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to hang out with all those yeah. people. You know, I didn't want to be of service to any of those people. Screw those people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Three legged stool, you know, and it's like every, you know, I, the stool would always end up falling over, you know. So it was a long, it was a long process of, you know, uh, you know, doing this and doing that. Does this work? Does that work? Um, and, and, you know, I'd start feeling what's the only thing worse than bad news for a drunk. It's good news, you know? And, uh, so, you know, I get to feeling better and then, and then I'd start going out, you know, you know, starting to beat the world into submission again. And then I'd hit another bottom and I'd come crawling back and it was this back and forth and, and it was the same with my yoga guy. You know, I met this man and uh, I was so reluctant to even go see him. And I, there's a story about that in the book. Um, and this guy had to force, he had to buy me dinner to go hear him talk. And, um, and, and I, and then he walked into the room and he was, he was, you know, it was like he was saying everything that I'd always, I ever wanted to hear out of anybody's mouth. And then he would do things in my life mm-hmm. that I couldn't explain. You know, he was, he was moving the energy in the room. He was moving the energy inside of me. And I couldn't logically explain really what was happening to me in, in this guy's presence. I mean, um, and that's just my story. It's like, I can't really explain it. So there was this dement. He opened up this dimension of myself that I couldn't explain with my head, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of scary, you know, it was kind of terrifying, but there was something there. Um, 
that just resonated with me, you know, and, um, and it just, it just, this path was kind of laid out in, in front of me. I, did I run, go, did I get close to it and run away from it and then hit another bottom and run back? You know, it was just this whole back and forth kind of thing with recovery and with my spiritual life in a, in a big way, you know? So I can't wow. even remember what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> I think you answered it. Um, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, are you still engaged with this man? Do you still uh, stay in touch with this person? Is he involved yeah, in your? He's a big dude. It's, I mean, he's like this world renowned kind of rock star guru guy, you know, mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. Um, he has an ashram out in McMinnville and another ashram in India. And, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful because, you know, he really enabled me to experience that dimension of myself that kind of set me free. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if I would be able to do that, you know, on my own, but it's, it's kind of like the thing it's, you know, it's kind of like the thing where two people become one and almost, you know, it's almost like, in yoga, we, yoga means union, you know, and how do we find union and to yoke ourselves and unionize with ourselves with the entire universe, really um, um, break down the walls of our own separation and our own physicality um, so we can experience ourselves in a, in a different way and yeah. um, a dimension of, of ourselves that hasn't been revealed before, you know. Mm-hmm. How can a person, Jeff, that isn't uh, maybe situated near McMinnville or um, doesn't know the nearest ashram to uh, get to, um, how can they begin on their own to unlock some of these things uh, and access some of what you're talking about for themselves? Well, there's I can start. I What I do is kind of start people on that path. OK, you know. Um, we have to go through the body, you know, all addiction and all a trauma is, uh, it's stuck in our body. It's written in our body. It's in our cells. So mm-hmm. for, for a trauma person to just sit in meditation, it's not really, you're just, you have to, we have to move our way into stillness, you know, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff is written in our body and yoga is just a, a science that basically uses movement and breath to open up the body and, mm-hmm. and, and your energy starts to flow in a different way. Um, so, you know, like when I was in yoga, yoga teacher training, we were doing hip openers and the teacher was taking us real deep and uh, she's like, okay, open your hip, you know, energy follows intention. So you open your hips you know, go deeper, breathe into your hips, focus on your hips. What's in your hips? What's there? And all of a sudden these, these images of my dad started coming up when I was 12, you know, and he was, we were working together and he was kind of shaming me and pointing his finger, angry finger at me. I was like, holy, holy moly, my dad is in my hips, you know? So it's just this whole process of opening the body and releasing that, that stuff. Um, and then having somebody or something to do with it on the other side when it comes up, you know, and that's 
And that's what spiritual process is, is about for me. We have to go through the body. And it's one thing I think, you know, contemporary recovery stuff just misses. It's the body, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We're this, our physical body is this conditioned thing. And how do we open that up and release what's in our, in our cellular makeup? Because our trauma is who we are. You know, it's, it's our cellular makeup. It's, it's our, it's our identity really. And how do we break out of that and, um, and start to move that around? And there's, and then there's self-inquiry work to do on specific residual emotions, you know, fear, guilt, shame, loss, truth, you know, and, and in, in AA, we only get to fear and, you know, resentment and fear. We don't get into guilt and shame and loss, you know, mm-hmm. um, and all these emotions have shadow sides. You know, if we grew up in a shame based environment, then it completely whacks out um, our ability to use our willpower in the proper way. You know, we're always trying to get in. We're always trying to measure up. We're always trying to manipulate the situ- situation more to to feel like we're a part of, you know, so. Um, we do the work on these, on these residual emotions and it opens up this other shadow side, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's what I do anyway. And that, and that, I think that at least starts people on the process. I give them people like a, a very simple 20 minute, um, yoga practice that opens and balances the, the energy system in the body. And, uh, it just starts people on that process, you know. So there's there's ways, you know. You know, this is making – I'm making connections here. You know, before, you know, I perhaps a couple of years ago, I would have uh, been quick to kind of dismiss this talk about uh, trauma being held in the body as some kind of, you know, new age, airy-fairy thinking. And then Bessel <laughs> van der Kolk comes out with his study, yeah. uh, uh, The Body Keeps the Score – and really shows in stark scientific terms that uh, you know what you're talking about is absolutely true, right? Yeah. Um, so it does make sense that involving the body in recovery work, especially around trauma, uh, is a logical thing to do. We can't just think our way out of this box. Yeah, we can't create, yeah. you know, um, we can't fix a problem with the same consciousness that created it, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Um, oh, wow. It, you know, it's impossible. You know, we have to have a, yeah. a new mind. We have to transcend. And the mind is just an accumulation. It's like the world's garbage bin. It's like a, you know, it just collects information and tries to define your current, re, you know, what you're seeing in, in, in the now through what it's already seen in the past. You know, it's just, it's just labeling mm-hmm. stuff that we that we're seeing now in relationship to what it's seen in the past. And that's its job, you know? Mm-hmm. So when we sit in meditation and watch the mind, it's like, we have to ask ourselves, what part of us has the ability to watch the mind, you know? And then we develop mm-hmm. an awareness of like, of a different dimension of ourselves that, is able to watch the mind, you know, um, and what part of us is that, you know? Um, so 
And that's, that's really what practice is all about. You know, it's developing a certain awareness about uh, what's going on in the now, not through the filter of the mind, which is through the filter of the past. Wow. Well, for uh, those of our listeners who would like to follow up with you, what's the best way for them to contact you, Jeff? Where can um, they find uh, you? I got a website, uh, jefffinland.com, and all my contact information is there. It's got, you know, uh, stuff about what I do program-wise and working with individuals um, and workshops and stuff like that. Um, we're developing, you know, I'm developing a kind of a second-tier recovery workshop now with a friend of mine and um a lot of this stuff really falls under people that have been around a while um they're they're kind of established in their sobriety you know that five to seven year thing where it's like you know you're sober for that long and then all of a sudden the the stuff that used to work doesn't work now you know and we and we have to deepen our Mm -hmm. spirit yeah somewhere and i don't think i don't think people address that stuff you know we see lots of people in the rooms that are 30 years sober but they're still in that five-year chunk of their sobriety time they've never expanded their spiritual life on any level um and so i I see a lot of people stuck you know and it says that that in the book you know fail to expand our spiritual life um then we're screwed you know and um so, um, and that, that's not really comfortable, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation, Jeff. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Uh, and, uh, the book again is The Secret of Recovery, An Enlightened Guide to Transcending the Pitfalls of Trauma, Addiction, Codependency, and Life in General. It's by Jeff Finlin, F-I-N-L-I-N. And you can get it at jefffinlin.com. All right. Well, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Um, Nate, I have to say first and foremost, I did not know there was an ashram in McMinnville, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the place I would uh, suspect that there would be a, a, an ashram. No, and I, no. I, am, I am, I we're not that far from McMinnville, and mm-hmm. I am, I'm thinking I may want to explore something over there and see what uh, what is up with that after talking with Jeff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really encouraged though because I love that um, I love what he's talking about in the body storing trauma. I love that he's talking about you know true recovery has to address trauma and um, you know the ways to access it. And I've got to I got to admit that um, I have been very intimidated by yoga in the past. I have friends that do it, and I don't have anything against it at all. I just am intimidated in my own. Uh, self-conscious self body uh, of going into class with a lot of what I perceive to be, you know, uh, people who live on bean sprouts and um, edamame. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And um, and, and sitting in thin and flexible people. 
That's the yes. thing of me. I, I, yes. You want me to do what? Yeah. Uh, my fear is yeah. they will mistake me for the Buddha himself and they will you know, come <laughs> seeking wisdom <laughs> as I sit trying to cross my ever, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my ever evolving thighs. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've got this hang up about my own physicality that's got to be addressed somewhere. And so talking with Jeff, I'm feeling like maybe there's a body connection I need to explore here. And I mean, not, not making light of it, but just saying, you know, there's, there's part of me that I'm like, I'm not doing that. You know, I mean, just to be honest. And then part of me goes, yeah, you, you know, that's what we're talking about, of course. And so, you know, maybe this is something you need to explore and get in touch with. And, um, you know, cause, uh, nobody cares really other than you, yeah. you know, you're your own, uh, you're the self-critic in me is, is, uh, is screaming and speaking up. So I don't know. How did you experience talking to Jeff? Yeah. You know, I'm still, I'm still adjusting to the whole, you know, yoga thing. I don't know. I, I, I think I watched part of a yoga class through a plate glass window. Uh, <laughs> And it, you know, people on these mats, I didn't see, I hear a lot about a yoga mat, never heard about a yoga sofa. If, mm. uh, if there were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, it's, it, it is connecting for me. I mm. do know that the body keeps the score. I right. do know that trauma is written into our cellular structure. Right. Um, I do know from previous guests that, uh, you know, f- for uh, several of our guests, they did not find uh, permanent sobriety and real serenity until uh, that deep place of trauma had been touched and right. they'd been freed from it. And yoga and meditation being the portals uh, for It's many a people. way in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't know that is the only way in. I mean, we talk about other modes of trauma treatment. So we've done, we talk about EMDR. I think we've talked about internal family systems on this show. Right. Um, Neurofeedback. Right. Neurofeedback. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm not about to sign on to, to a message that says that there is one way to do it. Right. And only one way. Right. But uh, it certainly sounds to me from Jeff's experience as though yoga was a a path. It was a portal. It was a way where he was able to get, uh, uh, you know, past Mm -hmm. that automatic behavior, that conditioned behavior that was the result of trauma stored in his body. He was able to get out and past that uh, into a spiritual dimension. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that he's um, admonishing us to explore what recovery can look like from here uh, mm-hmm. and not just rest in, in in a recovery experience that we had in our initial entry into whether it was the steps or some other um, yeah. uh, means by which we got sober, um, that, that we're not stuck in practices that have become rote and stale, but that we would uh, open ourselves up to some fresh experiences that would allow for us to uh, maybe unlock some new things that, that would even breathe new life into, yeah. into our recovering world. Yeah. 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 Well, a stimulating, uh, illuminating, inspiring, and challenging conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, before we wrap, uh, why don't you remind us 
uh, remind our listeners about our, our sponsor. Generous sponsor, BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com. And uh, listeners, if you will go to BetterHelp.com slash Positive Sobriety, you will uh, receive a discount on your initial services with them, and uh, we will get to know what is helpful to you all and uh, what we're offering. And uh, what is BetterHelp.com? It's an online therapy uh, licensed therapists there to serve you uh, service. Um, in other words, you get to go online and do therapy at home from the convenience and comfort of your home uh, with the same therapist. Or if you need to change therapists, something's not fitting quite right, quite right you can do that. Um, but it's uh, there to serve us with our depression, our relationships, uh, codependency, uh, all the things that we feel stuck in in real life. Um, BetterHelp.com is there for you to access uh, good quality therapy on as regular a basis as you'd like to have. And so um, I would recommend BetterHelp. I think it's going to be a great thing for folks to uh, take that first step uh, into initially just exploring uh, something that may have otherwise been very intimidating for them. Uh, so betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety. And uh, you'll not only receive a discount, but we'll also get to find out um, what we're offering is working for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as always, uh, we love your feedback. Love to hear from our listeners. You can reach us at any time. Please sit down, take a moment, knock out an email to positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week, but we've got more great guests coming up. The calendar's full. It's going to be a great spring and a great summer. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm David. We are your pals here on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer, Rex Schnelli. Music by Rex Schnelli. Theme music by Matt Ulrich. Uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett. Uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 